Part 4 of Last Enemy by H. Beam Piper. Read by Mark Nelson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A real civil war was developing even as Clarnude spoke. By mid-morning of the next day, the fighting that had been partially suppressed by the constabulary had broken out anew. The assassins employed by the Solar Hotel, heavily reinforced during the night, had fought a pitched battle with statisticalist partisans on the landing stage above Verkenval's suite, and now several constabulary airboats were patrolling around the building. The rule on constabulary interference seemed to be that, while individuals had an unquestionable right to shoot out their differences among themselves, any fighting likely to endanger non-participants was taboo. Just how successful in enforcing this rule the constabulary were was open to some doubt. Ever since arising, Verkenval had heard the crash of small arms and the hammering of automatic weapons in other parts of the towering city unit. There hadn't been a civil war on the Acorn-Neb sector for over five centuries, he knew, but then Hadron Dalla, doctor of psychic science, and intertemporal trouble-carrier extraordinary, had only been on this sector for a little under a year. If anything, he was surprised that the explosion had taken so long to occur. One of the servants furnished to him by the hotel management approached him in the drawing-room, holding a four-inch square wafer of white plastic. Lord Virzal, there is a masked assassin in the hallway who brought this under assassin's truce, he said. Verkenval took the wafer and pared off three of the four edges, which showed black where they had been fused. Unfolding it, he found, as he had expected, that the pyrographed message within was in the alphabet and language of the first paratime level. Val, darling, am I glad you got here. This time I really am in the middle but good. The assassin, Deerzid, who brings this, is in my service. You can trust him implicitly. He's about the only person in Darsh you can trust. He'll bring you to where I am. Dalla. P.S. I hope you're not still angry about that musician. I told you, at the time, that he was just helping me with an experiment in telepathy. D. Verkenval grinned at the postscript. That had been twenty years ago, when he'd been eighty and she'd been seventy. He supposed she'd expect him to take up his old relationship with her again. It probably wouldn't last any longer than it had the other time. He recalled a fourth-level proverb about the leopard and his spots. It certainly wouldn't be boring, though. "'Tell the assassin to come in,' he directed. Then he tossed the message down on a table. Outside of himself, nobody in Darsh could read it but the woman who had sent it. If, as he thought highly probable, the statisticalists had spies among the hotel staff, it might serve to reduce some cryptanalyst to gibbering insanity. The assassin entered, drawing off a cow-like mask. He was the man whose arm Dalla had been holding in the visiplate picture. Verkenval even recognized the extremely ornate pistol and knife on his belt. Deerzid the assassin, he named himself. If you wish, we can visiphone Assassin's Hall for verification of my identity. Lord Virza Loverkin, and my assassins, Marnik and Orlirzen. They all hooked fingers and clapped shoulders with the newcomer. That won't be needed, Verkenval told Deerzid. I know you from seeing you with the Lady Delona on the visiplate. You're Deerzid, her faithful assassin. 
Dirzit's face, normally the color of a good walnut gunstock, turned almost black. He used shockingly bad language. "'And that's why I have to wear this abomination,' he finished, displaying the mask. "'The Lady Delone and I can't show our faces anywhere. If we did, every statisticalist and his six-year-old brat would know us, and we'd be fighting off an army of them in five minutes.' "'Where's the Lady Delona now?' "'In hiding, Lord Virzal, at a private dwelling-dome in the forest. She's most anxious to see you. I'm to take you to her, and I would strongly advise that you bring your assassins along. There are people at this dome, and they are not personally loyal to the Lady Delona. I've no reason to suspect them of secret enmity, but their friendship is based entirely on political expediency.' And political expediency is subject to change without notice, Verkenval finished for him. Have you an airboat? On the landing stage below. Shall we go now, Lord Virzal? Yes. Verkenval made a two-handed gesture to his assassins, as though gripping a submachine gun. They nodded, went into another room, and returned carrying light automatic weapons in their hands and pouches of spare drum slung over their shoulders. And may I suggest, Dirzid, that one of my assassins drives the airboat? I want you on the back seat with me, to explain the situation as we go." Dirzid's teeth flashed white against his brown skin as he gave Verkan Vall a quick smile. "'By all means, Lord Virzal. I would much rather be distrusted than to find that my client's friends were not discreet.' There were a couple of hotel assassins guarding Dirzid's airboat on the landing stage. Marnik climbed in under the controls, with O'Learzen beside him. Verkenval and Dirzid entered the rear seat. Dirzid gave Marnik the coordinate reference for their destination. "'Now, what sort of a place is this where we're going?' Verkenval asked. "'And who's there whom we may or may not trust?' "'Well, it's a dome-house belonging to the family of Starfa.' They own a five-mile radius around it, oak and beech forest and underbrush, stocked with deer and boar, a hunting lodge. Prince Jirzen of Starfa, Lord Girzon of Roxor, and a few other top-level volitionalists know that the Lady Delona's hiding there. They're keeping her out of sight till after the election, for propaganda purposes. We've been hiding there since immediately after the discarnation feast of the Lord Garnon of Roxor. What happened after the feast? Verkenval wanted to know. Well, you know how the Lady Delona and Dr. Harnash of Hosh had this telepathic sensitive there, in a trance and drugged with a Zerfa derivative alkaloid the Lady Delona had developed. I was Lord Garnon's assassin. I discarnated him myself. Why, I hadn't even put my pistol away before he was in control of this sensitive, in a room five stories above the banquet hall. He began communicating at once. We had visiplates to show us what was going on. Right away, Nirzav of Shona, one of the statisticalist leaders who was a personal friend of Lord Garnon's in spite of his politics, renounced statisticalism and went over to the volitionalists on the strength of this communication. Prince Girzon and Lord Girzon, the new family head of Roxor, decided that there would be trouble in the next few days, so they advised the Lady Delona to come to this hunting lodge for safety. She and I came there in her airboat, directly from the feast. A good thing we did, too. If we'd gone to her apartment, we'd have walked in before that lethal gas had time to clear. There are four assassins of the family of Starfa, 
and six men-servants, and an upper-servant named Tarnod, the gamekeeper. The Starfa assassins and I have been keeping the rest under observation. I left one of the Starfa assassins guarding the Lady Delona when I came for you, under brotherly oath to protect her in my name till I returned." The airboat was skimming rapidly above the treetops toward the northern part of the city. "'What's known about that package bomb?' Verkan Vall asked. "'Who sent it?' Deerzid shrugged. "'The statisticalists, of course. The wrapper was stolen from the Reincarnation Research Institute, so was the case. The constabulary are working on it.' Deerzid shrugged again. The dome, about a hundred and fifty feet in width and some fifty in height, stood among the trees ahead. It was almost invisible from any distance. The concrete dome was of mottled green and gray concrete. Trees grew so close as to brush it with their branches, and the little pavilion on the flattened top was roofed with translucent green plastic. As the airboat came in, a couple of men in assassin's garb emerged from the pavilion to meet them. "'Marnik, stay at the controls,' Verkenval directed. "'I'll send a Lirzon up for you if I want you. If there's any trouble, take off for Assassin's Hall and give the code-word.' then come back with twice as many men as you think you'll need." Deers had raised his eyebrows over this. "'I had known the assassin president had given you a code-word, Lord Verzal,' he commented. "'That doesn't happen very often.' "'The assassin president has honored me with his friendship,' Verkan Vall replied noncommittally, as he, Deerzid, and O'Learzen climbed out of the airboat. Marnik was holding it an unobtrusive inch or so above the flat top of the dome, away from the edge of the pavilion roof. Two assassins greeted him, and a man in upper servant's garb and wearing a hunting-knife and a long hunting-pistol approached. "'Lord Verzal of Verkan, welcome to Starfa Dome. The Lady Delona awaits you below.'" Verkan Vall had never been in an acorn-neb dwelling-dome, but a description of such structures had been included in his hypnomech indoctrination. Originally, they had been the standard structure for all purposes. About two thousand elapsed years ago, when nationalism had still existed on the Acorn-Neb sector, the cities had been almost entirely underground, as protection from air attack. Even now, the design had been retained by those who wished to live apart from the towering city units, to preserve the natural appearance of the landscape. The Starfa hunting lodge was typical of such domes. Under it was a circular well, eighty feet in depth and fifty in width, with a fountain and shallow circular pool at the bottom. The storerooms, kitchens, and servants' quarters were at the top, the living quarters at the bottom, in segments of a wide circle around the well, back of the balconies. Tarzad, the gamekeeper, Deerzid performed the introductions, and Irarno and Kirzal, assassins. Verkan Vall hooked fingers and clapped shoulders with them. Tarnod accompanied them to the lifter tubes, two percent positive gravitation for descent and two percent negative for ascent, and they all floated down the former, like air-filled balloons, to the bottom level. "'The Lady Delona is in the gun-room,' Tarnod informed Verkenval, making as though to guide him. "'Thanks, Tarnod, we know the way,' Dirzad told him shortly, turning his back on the upper servant and walking toward a closed door on the other side of the fountain." Verkan Vall and Olirzon followed. For a moment, Tarnod stood looking after them. Then he followed the other two assassins into the ascent tube. "'I don't relish that fellow,' Deerzid explained. 
The family of Starfa use him for work they couldn't hire an assassin to do at any price. I've been here often, when I was with the Lord Garnon. I've always thought he had something on Prince Jirzen. He knocked sharply on the closed door with the butt of his pistol. In a moment it slid open, and a young assassin with a narrow mustache and a tuft of chin-beard looked out. "'Ah, Dirzid,' he stepped outside. "'The Lady Delona is within. I return her to your care.' Verkan Vall entered, followed by Dirzid and Olirzen. The big room was fitted with reclining chairs and couches and low tables. Its walls were hung with the heads of deer and boar and wolves, and with racks holding rifles and hunting pistols and fowling pieces. It was filled with a soft glow of indirect cold light. At the far side of the room a young woman was seated at a desk, speaking softly into a sound transcriber. As they entered she snapped it off and rose. Hedrin Dalla wore the same costume Verkenval had seen on the visiplate. He recognized her instantly. It took her a second or two to perceive Verkan Vall under the brown skin and black hair of the Lord Verzil of Verkan. Then her face lighted with a happy smile. "'Why, Val!' she whooped, running across the room and tossing herself into his not particularly reluctant arms. After all, it had been twenty years. "'I didn't know you at first. "'You mean in these clothes?' he asked seeing that she had forgotten, for the moment, the presence of the two assassins. She had even called him by his first-level name, but that was unimportant. The acorneb affectionate diminutive was formed by omitting the ears or arn. "'Well, they're not exactly what I generally wear on the plantation.' He kissed her again, then turned to his companions. "'Your pardon, gentlemen assassins, it's been something over a year since we've seen each other.' O'Learzen was smiling at the affectionate reunion. Deerzid wore a look of amused resignation, as though he might have expected something like this to happen. Verkenval and Dalla sat down on a couch near the desk. "'That was really sweet of you, Val, fighting those men for talking about me,' she began. "'You took an awful chance, though. But if you hadn't, I'd never have known you were in Darsh. Oh! Oh!' That's why you did it, wasn't it? Well, I had to do something. Everybody either didn't know or weren't saying where you were. I assumed, from the circumstances, that you were hiding somewhere. Tell me, Dalla, do you really have scientific proof of reincarnation? I mean, as an established fact? Oh, yes. These people on this sector have had that for over ten centuries. They have hypnotic techniques for getting back into a part of the subconscious mind that we've never been able to reach. And after I found out how they did it, I was able to adapt some of our hypno-epistemological techniques to it, and— All right, that's what I wanted to know, he cut her off. We're getting out of here, right away. But where? Gamma, in an airboat I have outside, and then back to the first level unless there's a paratime transposition conveyor somewhere nearer. But why, Val? I'm not ready to go back. I have a lot of work to do here yet. They're getting ready to set up a series of control experiments at the Institute, and then I'm in the middle of an experiment, a two-hundred-subject memory recall experiment. See, I distributed two hundred sets of equipment for my new technique. 
injection ampules of this Zerfa derivative drug, and sound records of the hypnotic suggestion formula, which can be played on an ordinary reproducer. It's just a crude variant of our hypnomech process, except that instead of implanting information in the subconscious mind to be brought at will to the level of consciousness, it works the other way and draws into conscious knowledge information already in the subconscious mind. The way these people have always done has been to put the subject in an hypnotic trance and then record verbal statements made in the trance state. When the subject comes out of the trance, the record is all there is, because the memories of past reincarnations have never been in the conscious mind. But with my process, the subject can consciously remember everything about his last reincarnation, and as many reincarnations before that as he wishes to. I haven't heard from any of the people who received these auto-recall kits, and I really must, Dalla. I don't want to have to pull Paratime Police Authority on you, but so help me, if you don't come back voluntarily with me, I will. Security of the Secret of Paratime Transposition Oh, my eye! Dalla exclaimed. Don't give me that, Val. Look, Della, suppose you get discarnated here, Verkenval said. You say reincarnation is a scientific fact. Well, you'd reincarnate on this sector, and then you take a memory recall under hypnosis. And when you did, the paratime secret wouldn't be a secret any more. Oh, Della's hand went to her mouth in consternation. Like every paratimer, she was conditioned to shrink with all her being from the mere thought of revealing to any out-time dweller the secret ability of her race to pass to other timelines, or even the existence of alternate lines of probability. And if I took one of the old-fashioned trance recalls, I'd blat out everything. I wouldn't be able to keep a thing back. And I even know the principles of transposition. She looked at him, aghast. "'When I get back, I'm going to put a recommendation through department channels that this whole sector be declared out of bounds for all paratime transposition, until you people at Rogam Foundation work out the problem of discarnate return to the first level,' he told her. "'Now, have you any notes or anything you want to take back with you?' She rose. "'Yes, just what's on the desk.' Find me something to put the tape spools and notebooks in while I'm getting them in order. He secured a large game bag from under a rack of fowling pieces and held it while she sorted the material rapidly, stuffing spools of record tape and notebooks into it. They had barely begun when the door slid open and O'Learzen, who had gone outside, sprang into the room, his pistol drawn, swearing vilely. They've double-crossed us, he cried. The servants of Starfa have turned on us. He holstered his pistol and snatched up his submachine-gun, taking cover behind the edge of the door and letting go with a burst in the direction of the lifter-tubes. "'Got that one,' he grunted. "'What happened, O'Learzen?' Verkenval asked, dropping the game-bag on the table and hurrying across the room. "'I went up to see how Marnik was making out. As I came out of the lifter-tube, one of the obscenities took a shot at me with a hunting-pistol. He missed me. I didn't miss him.' Then a couple more of them were coming up, with fouling pieces. I shot one of them before they could fire, and jumped into the descent tube, and came down, heels over ears. I don't know what's happened to Marnik. He fired another burst and swore. Missed him. "'Assassin's truce!' 
Assassin's truce! a voice howled out of the descent tube. Hold your fire! We want to parley! Who is it? Durzid shouted over Olirzon's shoulder. You Sarnax? Come on out, we won't shoot. The young assassin with the mustache and chin-beard emerged from the descent tube, his weapons sheathed and his clasped hands extended in front of him in a peculiarly ecclesiastical-looking manner. Deerzid and Olirzon stepped out of the gunroom, followed by Verkan Vall and Hadron Della. Olirzon had left his submachine-gun behind. They met the other assassin by the rim of the fountain-pool. "'Lady Dalona of Hadron,' the Starfa assassin began, "'I and my colleagues, in the employ of the family of Starfa, have received orders from our clients to withdraw our protection from you and to discarnate you and all with you who undertake to protect or support you.' That much sounded like a recitation of some established formula. Then his voice became more conversational. I and my colleagues, Erarno and Kirzal and Harniff, offer our apologies for the barbarity of the servants of the family of Starfa, in attacking without declaration of cessation of friendship. Was anybody hurt or discarnated? None of us, Olirzon said. How about Marnik? He was warned before hostilities were begun against him, Sarnax replied. We will allow five minutes until— Olirzon, who had been looking up the well, suddenly sprang at Dalla, knocked her flat, and at the same time jerking out his pistol. Before he could raise it, a shot banged from above, and he fell on his face. Deerzid, Verkenval, and Sarnax all drew their pistols, but whoever had fired the shot had vanished. There was an outburst of shouting above. "'Get to cover,' Sarnax told the others. "'We'll let you know when we're ready to attack. We'll have to deal with whoever fired that shot first. He looked at the dead body on the floor, exclaimed angrily, and hurried to the ascent tube, springing upward. Verkenval replaced the small pistol in his shoulder holster and took Olirzon's belt, with his knife and heavier pistol. "'Well, there you see,' Deerzid said, as they went back to the gunroom. "'So much for political expediency.' "'I think I understand why your picture and the Lady Delona's were exhibited so widely,' Verkenval said. Now anybody would recognize your bodies and blame the statisticalists for discarnating you. That thought had occurred to me, Lord Verzel, Dirzid said. I suppose our bodies will be atrociously, but not unidentifiably mutilated, to further enrage the public, he added placidly. If I get out of this carnate, I'm going to pay somebody off for it. After a few minutes there was more shouting of Assassin's Truce from the descent tube. The two assassins, Irarno and Kirzal, emerged, dragging the gamekeeper, Tarnod, between them. The upper servant's face was bloody, and his jaw seemed to be broken. Sarnax followed, carrying a long hunting pistol in his hand. "'Here he is,' he announced. "'He fired during assassin's truce. He's subject to assassin's justice.' He nodded to the others. They threw the gamekeeper forward on the floor, and Sarnax shot him through the head, then tossed the pistol down beside him. "'Any more of these people who violate the decencies will be treated similarly,' he promised. "'Thank you, Sarnax,' Durzid spoke up. "'But we lost an assassin. Discarnating this lackey won't equalize that. We think you should retire one of your number.' "'That, at least, Durzid. Wait a moment.' The three assassins conferred at some length, 
Then Sarnax hooked fingers and clapped shoulders with his companions. "'See you in the next reincarnation, brothers,' he told them, walking toward the gun-room door, where Verkenval, Dalla, and Durzid stood. "'I'm joining you people. You had two assassins when the parley began, you'll have two when the shooting starts.' Verkenval looked at Durzed in some surprise. Hadron Dalla's assassin nodded. "'He's entitled to do that, Lord Verzal. The assassin's code provides for such changes of allegiance.' "'Welcome, Sarnax,' Verkenval said, hooking fingers with him. "'I hope we'll all be together when this is over.' "'We will be,' Sarnax assured him cheerfully. "'Discarnate. We won't get out of this in the body, Lord Verzal.' A submachine gun hammered from above, the bullets lashing the fountain pool. The water actually steamed, so great was their velocity. "'All right,' a voice called down. "'Assassin's truce is over!' Another burst of automatic fire smashed out the lights at the bottom of the ascent tube. Durzid and Dalla struggled across the room, pushing a heavy steel cabinet between them. Verkan Vall, who was holding O'Leerzen's submachine-gun, moved aside to allow them to drop it on edge in the open doorway, then wedged the door half shut against it. Sarnax came over, bringing rifles, hunting-pistols, and ammunition. "'What's the situation up there?' Verkan Vall asked him. "'What force have they, and why did they turn against us?' "'Lord Verzal!' Dirzed objected, scandalized. "'You have no right to ask Sarnax to betray confidences.' Sarnax spat against the door. "'In the face of Jerzen of Starfa,' he said, "'and in the face of his Zortan mother, and of his father, whoever he was. Dirzid, do not talk foolishly. One does not speak of betraying betrayers.' He turned to Verkan Vall. "'They have three men-servants of the family of Starfa. Your assassin, Olirzen, discarnated the other three. There is one of Prince Jirzen's poor relations, named Girzad. There are three other men, volitionalist precinct workers, who came with Girzad, and four assassins, the three who were here, and one who came with Girzad. Eleven against the three of us. The four of us, Sarnax, Dalla corrected. She had buckled on a hunting pistol and had a light deer rifle under her arm. Something moved at the bottom of the descent tube. Verkenval gave it a short burst, though it was probably only a dummy, dropped to draw fire. "'The four of us, Lady Delona,' Sarnax agreed. "'As to your other assassin, the one who stayed in the airboat, I don't know how he fared. You see, about twenty minutes ago, this Gerzad arrived in an airboat, with an assassin and these three volitionalist workers. Erarno and I were at the top of the dome when he came in.' He told us that he had orders from Prince Jirzen to discarnate the Lady Delona and Dirzed at once. Tarnod, the gamekeeper, Sarnax spat ceremoniously against the door again, told him you were here, and that Marnik was one of your men. He was going to shoot Marnik at once, but Irarno and I and his assassin stopped him. We warned Marnik about the change in the situation, according to the code, expecting Marnik to go down here and join you. Instead, he lifted the airboat, zoomed over Girzad's boat, and let go a rocket blast, setting Girzad's boat on fire. Well, that was a hostile act, so we all fired after him. We must have hit something, because the boat went down, trailing smoke, about ten miles away. Girzad got another airboat out of the hangar, and he and his assassin started after your man. 
About that time, your assassin, Olirzon, happy reincarnation to him, came up, and the Starfa servants fired at him, and he fired back and discarnated two of them, and then jumped down the descent tube. One of the servants jumped after him. I found his body at the bottom when I came down to warn you formally. You know what happened after that." "'But why did Prince Jerzen order our discarnation?' Della wanted to know. Was it to blame the statisticalists with it?" Sarnax, about to answer, broke off suddenly and began firing at the opening of the ascent tube with a hunting pistol. "'I got him,' he said in a pleased tone. That was Erarno. He was always playing tricks with the tubes, climbing down against negative gravity and up against positive gravity. His body will float up to the top. Why, Lady Delona, that was only part of it. You didn't hear about the big scandal on the newscast, then? We didn't have it on. What scandal?" Sarnax laughed. Oh, the very father and family head of all scandals! You ought to know about it, because you started it. That's why Prince Jerzen wants you out of the body. You devised a process by which people could give themselves memory recalls of previous reincarnations, didn't you? And distributed apparatus to do it with? and gave one set to young Tarnov, the son of Lord Tirzov of Fastor?" Dalla nodded. Sarnax continued. Well, last evening, Tarnox of Fastor used his recall outfit, and what do you think? It seems that thirty years ago, in his last reincarnation, he was Jirzid of Starfa, Jirzid's older brother. Jirzid was betrothed to the Lady Anitra of Zabna. Well, his younger brother was carrying on a clandestine affair with the Lady Anitra, and he also wanted the title of prince and family head of Starfa. So he bribed this fellow Tarnod, whom I had the pleasure of discarnating, and who was an underservant here at the hunting lodge. Between them they shot Jirzid during a boar hunt. An accident, of course. So Jirzid married the Lady Anitra, and when old Prince Jarnid, his father, discarnated a year later, he succeeded to the title. And immediately Tarnod was made head gamekeeper here. What did I tell you, Lord Virzal? I knew that son of a Zortan had something on Jirzen of Starfa, Dirzid exclaimed. A nice family, this of Starfa. Well, that's not the end of it, Sarnax continued. This morning, Tarnov of Fastor, late Jirzid of Starfa, went before the High Court of Estates and entered suit to change his name to Jirzid of Starfa, and laid claim to the title of Starfa family head. The case has just been entered, so there's been no hearing, but there's the blazes of an argument among all the nobles about it. Some are claiming that the individuality doesn't change from one reincarnation to the next, and others claiming that property and titles should pass along the line of physical descent, no matter what individuality has reincarnated into what body. They're the ones who want the Lady Delona discarnated and her discovery suppressed. And there's talk about revising the entire system of estate ownership and estate inheritance. Oh, it's an utter obscenity of a business. This, Verkenval told Dalla, is something we will not emphasize when we get home. That was as close as he dared come to it, but she caught his meaning. The working of major changes in out-time social structures was not viewed with approval by the Paratime Commission on the first level. If we get home, he added, then an idea occurred to him. 
Dirzid, Sarnax. This place must have been used by the leaders of the volitionalists for top-level conferences. Is there a secret passage anywhere?" Sarnax shook his head. Not from here. There is one, on the floor above, but they control it. And even if there were one down here, they would be guarding the outlet. That's what I was counting on. I'd hope to simulate an escape that way, then make a rush up the regular tubes." Verkan Vall shrugged. I suppose Manric's our only chance. I hope he got away safely. He was going for help? I was surprised that an assassin would desert his client. I should have thought of that, Sarnak said. Well, even if he got down Carnate, and if Girzad didn't catch him, he'd still be afoot ten miles from the nearest city unit. That gives us a little chance, about one in a thousand. Is there any way they can get at us except by those tubes? Dalla asked. They could cut a hole in the floor, or burn one through, Sarnax replied. They have plenty of thermite. They could detonate a charge of explosives over our heads, or clear out of the dome and drop one down the well. They could use lethal gas or radio dust, but their assassins wouldn't permit such illegal methods. Or they could shoot sleep gas down at us, and then come down and cut our throats at their leisure. We'll have to get out of this room, then, Verkenval decided. They know we've barricaded ourselves in here. This is where they'll attack. So we'll patrol the perimeter of the well. We'll be out of danger from above if we keep close to the wall and we'll inspect all the rooms on this floor for evidence of cutting through from above." Sarnax nodded. "'That's sense, Lord Verzal. How about the lifter tubes?' "'We'll have to barricade them. Sarnax, you and Dirzid know the layout of this place better than the Lady Delona or I. Suppose you two check the rooms, while we cover the tubes and the well,' Verkenval directed. "'Come on, now!' End of Part 4